FedEx Forum, Growl Towels, Super Grizz, each one a Memphis Grizzlies tradition. This is the Grizzlies Podcast. Welcome back to the Commercial Appeals Memphis Grizzlies Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, Commercial Appeal Sports columnist. I am joined by DeMichael Cole, our Memphis Grizzlies beat writer, uh, we are coming to you March 9th, uh, the morning after the Grizzlies on national television. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I don't know if uh, uh, I couldn't find DeMichael on uh, Google. I was trying to tweet a picture of a bear devouring a pelican in the <laughs> wild. It does not exist. I guess pelicans are usually, you know, in terms of an as an animal. You know, there's not many, there's no document, not many documented pictures of a bear uh, eating a pelican, but that's what it felt like uh, last night at FedEx Forum uh, and on TNT um, as the Grizzlies bounce back. And uh, as we record this, they sit in second place in the Western Conference, um, despite some ups and downs since the All-Star break. Uh, So lots to discuss to Michael on today's on uh, this week's podcast, we'll, we'll get into how the Grizzlies have looked since the All-Star break. We'll detail kind of this playoff push, because as we're recording this, there are 15 games to go in the regular season. Uh, and then we'll talk about the Dylan Brooks situation. When's he going to come back? It seems like it's close, but, um, you know, also getting, you know, it's also still hasn't happened yet. So right. uh, lots to get to. So, DeMichael, let's start here, though. Um the Grizzlies have played seven games since the All-Star break, and in those games, they're now four and three, four and four over their last eight. Um, what would you make of, you know, not just, you know, obviously they, they bounced back last night against the Pelicans, but what have you made of their play overall here since the All-Star break? Uh, what's changed a little bit, and also what does it tell you about kind of this team's, I guess, uh, Traje- not trajectory, but you know, if it means anything, is it you know, is this something to be concerned about um, that they've been so up and down since the All Star break? Yeah, I would I wouldn't say concerned yet, but I would say it, it is you know, it's different because the the you can tell now, Mark, like the book is out on you know what the Grizzlies like to do, what they're really good at. You're, you're seeing teams change how they not only guard the Grizzlies as a team, but guard players, you know, Desmond Bain in particular. I thought it was just pretty interesting to see how at All-Star Weekend, all of the players I was talking to were just saying, he's the shooter. He's the one guy we know when we play the Grizzlies. We have to stay attached to him. And, you know, maybe last season or early this season, people weren't looking at Desmond Bain, you know, in the same way that they look at him now in that regard. And then you just watch, you know, I think the Celtics game was probably the one game that was, you know, the beatdown of the losses. And that game, the Celtics basically just said, shoot the ball. You're not going to scare us. You know, they dared the Grizzlies to shoot and the Grizzlies didn't make shots. But we've seen a couple games since then against the Magic. And then, you know, in the most recent game against the Pelicans where the Grizzlies shot the ball really well. So, you know, I think. The inconsistencies in the shooting is 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 definitely, you know, something to be concerned about because in the playoff series, you know, 
uh, opposing team only has to win four games. So if you if you have one good good shooting night, one bad shooting night, um, those numbers just have to be a little bit more consistent than they have been. So that would be probably the concern. But I think overall this stretch is just they're learning. They're learning that, oh, teams are learning how to guard them. They're learning how to counter that. They're learning what they can do to still get to their strengths. Uh, I don't I don't think it's been a bad stretch. It's been more of one where they're having to learn a lot. Yeah, no, something that struck me listening to Ja and Jaron in particular last night after the Pelicans game is they've never been through this. They've never they've never had to close out a great year. You know, like they they're doing like Jaron was talking about how like, you know, we've seen teams of the past who have been together a long time do it naturally. It it just comes over time. And he's right. Um, but this team has not been together that long and it hasn't been in this many high leverage situations. Um, so you know, I, I think that's that's right. They're learning how to do this. And, mm-hmm. you know, past results suggest they'll get it right on the first try, you know, but sometimes when you're learning, you don't, you know, and just in life. Um, and that applies here where they're trying to figure out how, you know, like how, you know, they played really well this year, but you want to, you know, you want to be peaking, you know, f- a month from now, you know what I mean? Um, right. That's how, you know, over an 82 game season, you're not going to be the, you're not going to be at your best all the time. Um, but you do have to figure out, you know, you want to make sure, for instance, in the Grizzlies case that like, you know, January, February, they didn't peak in January, February, that there's a, another level for them to reach. Um, Because I think part of the All-Star break is, you know, that post-All-Star break was, I think, them, you know, going, like, we're in a great position and there's a lot of games left still. But now there's, you know, really there weren't, but, you know, they had to refocus a little bit after that All-Star break. Um, And hopefully that Pelicans game and really the Rockets game before that, um, where... They obviously they just didn't play well against a bad team, and it was really one of their worst performances of the year, worst results of the year for sure. Yeah. Um, losing to the Rockets like they did, even though it was the second night of a back to back, it felt like they could have done what they did against Orlando, where they really played one good quarter um, and won that game. But the <laughs> way they the, the way they bounced back um, was definitely encouraging, and you know that looked like the team that you know, got to second place in the Western Conference um, once again. And so I think that was kind of a wake-up call, probably good, ultimately, that they, you know, and now there's only 15 games to go. And so there's like a clear, um, you you can see the light at the end of the tunnel here. The playoffs aren't that far away anymore. Um, So it's an interesting moment for this team because – They've overachieved so much because they've never been, you know, they've never they've they've been through five playoff games against Utah and a couple play-in games. You know, they haven't experienced a, you know, they haven't been through this process the way they're doing it this year. So, um, I think they've, I think they're gonna, you know, I think there's gonna be some ups and downs from here on out, um, but ultimately. Um, they put themselves in a pretty good position heading down the stretch for yeah. sure. Better yeah. position than anyone could have imagined going into the season. 
Right, exactly. And and I think, you know, in, in a recent story about, you know, just the grizzly schedule that I that I wrote, um, you can find that on uh, commercialappeal.com, just pointing out that how when when they won in Orlando, you know, they took the the lead for for the number two seed and then they lost against Houston, which we you know we both can agree that's one of their worst losses this season. You know, Houston had a twelve game losing streak and they also you know, conceded second place to the Warriors at that point. But then, you know, they, they came back and got second place back. And, you know, I wrote the story about how the map is pretty much laid out for them right now to take control mm-hmm. of that second seed. The, the Warriors did, you know, dominate uh, the Clippers right after uh, right after the Grizzlies beat the Pelicans. But the Warriors have a, a tough slate coming up, and they, also, they get Draymond Green back. But the Warriors' schedule, mm-hmm. I mean, you still got – Denver and 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 the Bucks is is their next two games, whereas the Grizzlies are playing, you know, the Knicks, and then they have a four game road trip. But we're talking about Oklahoma City Thunder, the Pacers, the Hawks, and the Rockets. So mm. there's a chance to you you. I feel like when we see the Grizzlies schedule, the way it sets up right now, and then we, I think they probably have the toughest, if not one. If not one of the toughest, the toughest schedule in April uh, in the NBA when you're talking Suns, I believe it's Suns, Nuggets, Jazz, Pelicans, Celtics. So they, this is their chance where I feel like they should try to create some type of cushion going into that March 28 matchup against the Warriors. And if you win that one, you're hoping you can be up, what, three games maybe going into that last yeah. stretch. You have to play those teams. Yeah, I think that's that's probably what you're looking to do. You know, the other the one variable is these last 15 games of the season, it get there's a lot more volatility in terms of who's actually trying in certain right. games. Um, you know, like who who's resting guy even even you know, like when they play Phoenix towards the end of the year, <clears throat> is Phoenix playing everyone? You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> that's that's that the game. Yeah. That's the one team where that'll be kind of interesting to see, you know, with Phoenix. But the others I mean, I was looking at the standings, Mark, and the Western Conference has really tightened up. It's it's still not out of the question that, you know, some of these teams that we haven't talked about as much. You know, we've talked about the Warriors and 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 and, you know, the Jazz a little bit in terms of the Western Conference race. But I mean, the Mavs and the Nuggets from the four to the four to six right now, you know, at the time of this podcast, they're they're one and a half games away from each other but if you look at just the loss column which personally I focus more on the loss column than than you know just how many games back a team is uh the Jazz are only two games behind the Grizzlies and Warriors in the loss columns and they you know they play the Grizzlies again the Mavericks are are three behind and you know they have the tiebreaker and the Nuggets are are four behind I'm not you know expecting the Nuggets to make some type of run there but the nuggets you know will get some really important players back potentially so the west is so tight i think you know i was looking at that too just in terms of who's gonna play their guys and seeing that the jazz realistically could have a chance to move up uh the warriors could have a chance to move up and and you know the nuggets and Mavs, it's all so tight right there and even the pelicans you know the pelicans are are, are 10 right now but they'll have a chance i mean the Lakers have a really tough schedule coming up, so they'll have a chance to to make a move on the Lakers for that nine spot. So it's interesting to see, you know, how 
these teams go into that last stretch, but I think those Western Conference games, even the Celtics, I think the Celtics is the last game of the season for the Grizzlies and the Eastern Conference. I mean, it's it's super tight in the East. I believe the Celtics right now are the fifth seed, but they're two games behind the number two seed, and they're only half a game up on the sixth seed. So it's it's super tight. So I think all those teams pretty much, maybe with the exception of the Suns, are, are going to probably be playing for something. Yeah, no, and, and you know, those games against Golden State, maybe Phoenix, <clears throat> Utah, Denver, like those are, you know, because they're so close to the playoffs, <clears throat> they also feel like kind of, I don't know, statement game is the right yeah. word, but kind of send a message games, you know? Yeah. Um, no, heading into the playoffs. Um, so, and I think, you know, I said this last week, I think it's, you know, the way you look at these standings, ultimately, if the Grizzlies, the, the Grizzlies' best shot at making a run in these playoffs is getting the two seed. Because the way it's setting up very clearly, as you pointed out, with the, how the standings are, they've bunched up in terms of the Grizz, you know, Utah, Dallas, and Denver. They're all within a game of a half each, of each other in the four through six spot. Um, you've got Memphis and Golden State duking out for the two spot. And then it's very clear Minnesota and the Clippers are going to be the seven and eight. They're going to play to be in that seven spot. So, I mean, playing the Minnesota and the Clippers is, is much better, is a much better uh, scenario than having to play Utah, Dallas, or Denver in the first round. Yeah, I mean, that, the thing about that is when you talk about Utah, Denver, and Dallas, you can ask 10 different people probably which matchup would be the hardest, and you'd probably get three, three, four well, split on the Yeah, answer. and the, well, the question is how healthy is Denver going to be? Would yeah. The, is Denver going to have both Murray and Porter? I don't know if they're both going to be. They're not. I doubt they'll both be as good as they can be right. because they're coming back so late. Right. But still having Murray and Porter – added on to Jokic and, and what they've done without them this year that, yeah. you know, I think they're the one I'd least like to face maybe Utah. Yeah. I'd uh, say you could argument for Utah. I mean, cause what happened with Utah this season, just talking to people out there is, you know, they were one of the teams that was least impacted by COVID going all the way up through late December. And they were battling the Suns for, for the one seed around mm-hmm. that time and, and Golden State. They were in that top three range. And then they got hit hard early January, mid-January, and they they plummeted. So they feel like they're healthier now and they're just as good, you know, as those teams. So it's it's man, it's it's tough. I, I just like you said, that two seed, I mean, it's the crown jewel right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and Utah's within striking distance. I mean, you mentioned you look at the loss column, they're only two games back in the loss column of both Golden State and Memphis as of today, um, with a game against Memphis at right. the end of the year. So, in Utah, by the way. So, um, this is very much uh, going to be an exciting race down the stretch. And, you know, that's why that Houston game really stood out. Um, and so, you know, and it, you know, this, I think uh, this post All Star break kind of, illuminated some things you mentioned the shooting um you know their defense hasn't been that great lately um that that, you know ultimately too um and they thrive in transition 
and when they're getting steals and when they're creating stops, whether it's via turnover or missed shot, like that's where this team is at its best. Um, and it's also, you know, I think one of the questions going into the playoffs, you know, will this style of play, I've mentioned this a couple of times, will this transfer over to the playoffs or, you know, is what they saw against Boston something that could happen to them, you know, can sit more consistently in the playoffs and ultimately uh, be their downfall, that style. Um, they still have to, you know, and that's why um, it's just so interesting because um, there's, they, they've proven a lot this regular season, but there's still a lot for them to prove um, right. as it, you know, and that's why, even though they have the second best record in the NBA right now, you know, no, I think I'm, if you asked around the league, most people would not say they're the second best team in the league or the team with the second best chances to win an NBA title this year. Yeah, for sure. I believe they. Um, a lot of odds makers I've been looking at have them like in the six, seven range in terms of, you know, best championship odds. And, and, and even that, like you could argue yeah. there's, you know, like there's there's plenty of teams that have just as good a shot as the Grizzlies. Yeah. It feels like title. I mean, for sure. Um, or think. to go to the conference finals, even um, right. like that, that's how we have sort of look at it. Memphis could do it this year. They could make a run, uh, especially, I think, if they get that two seed, they, they could also lose a tough first round series. You know, that's where we're at because they we don't really know. They haven't won a playoff series yet until you do it, do it. It's hard to, like, truly predict how a team's going to do in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, that's the I mean, it's like you said, it's so hard to predict that. And and, you know, I think one thing that that I'm not, you know, too like at the end of the day, you're playing basketball, you know, it's going to be more physical. It's going to be, you know, a little small differences, but it's it's still the same game. You know, you're still trying to outscore the other team. So the whole thing sometimes about playoff experience, I I think sometimes it gets, you know, overvalued. And just watching, you know, the Suns last season and and key players on the books, um, how they stepped up, you know, that was the big thing with the Suns with all those guys. Oh, they don't have playoff experience. And then they, you know, go to the finals. And then with the Bucks, uh, you had a lot of guys on that team where it's like, yeah, they haven't had much playoff experience. And, you know, they play big roles. So that was interesting to see for me. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, you're playing basketball. But. One thing, just the NBA from a parity perspective right now is 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 pretty much at a at a high, you know. And I think when we went right All Star Weekend, actually, I kind of asked uh, Adam Silver about that because that's, I mean, you you can legit make an argument for five six teams in the Eastern Conference, and you can make an argument for pretty much all the teams we've mentioned so far in the West, the t the top five or, or at least the top three. You know, you can make a good argument for why they can go to the NBA finals. So I think, you know, this season, this season will be judged on, on those, on those results, you know, how the Grizzlies fare in the playoffs and whatnot, but it's really going to come down to luck of the draw mark. I mean, I think at the end of the day, who, who you get matched up with is going to matter so much more than who's the best team in this year's playoffs. Because I think there's, you know, the Grizzlies, like you said, they get that two seed, you could play the Clippers or the Timberwolves, and then you get one of those other teams at home before you go to the Western Conference Finals. Whereas if you get the three seed, you could probably be bounced in the first round. So it's 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 just a big look of the draw thing, I think, in terms of how uh, things play out.
Yeah, league has not felt like this in a long time. Yeah. Um, the title truly feels up for grabs. I think Phoenix is the favorite, but still, it feels up for grabs. There's no clear-cut favorite. Um, and there, you know, it just hasn't felt this wide open in a long time. So, um, it's, it's great that the Grizzlies are right in the mix there, um, here with 15 games to go. All right. Last thing I wanted to get to to Michael, the other big storyline of these last 15 games outside of the Grizzlies playoff position. And, you know, we talked about this last week, the Lakers draft pick, um, is Dylan Brooks's return. We predicted, um, we, I, I thought it was going to happen this week, either mm-hmm. last night against New Orleans when it didn't, or Friday night against the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like Taylor Jenkins, before last night's game against New Orleans, seemed to indicate Friday is not going to be the night. Um, he, he used it in terms of the words he used, um, but wasn't super, you know, wasn't totally specific on what game they have targeted. Um, what's your vibe on the Dylan Brooks situation uh, in terms of his return from this ankle injury? Man, Mark, this it's interesting because, you know, last week when we talked to Taylor, you know, he talked about, you know, the last steps, which it's pretty much like this for a lot of the NBA players. You have to get them out in five on five in contact. So he's been through a couple five on five sessions now, and he's done some contact stuff off to the side and things like that. And the Grizzlies have, you know, after that, that Tuesday night game against the Pelicans, you have two days off. So I, I would have thought that the, you know, the map would be laid out for him to return against the Knicks, being that you have the two days off in between. So that's a, that's a chance for him to get more contact, um, to play maybe a little bit more five on five. But he said, hopefully, you know, next week during the road trip is is the goal. So, I mean, it's sounding like during the road trip is is, is when he'll return. Um, he, you know, Dylan Brooks, even, you know, I'm sure you saw him on the on the Bally Sports cast where he comes in and, and he says something like, you know, we're getting close. And I'm starting to just map out like when when would be the time for him to return? You you you, you want to get probably a couple more practices under his belt, I guess. Is what and the Grizzlies, you know, we know they don't practice a lot during this this stretch they've been on, but but now when you go on the road, uh, they'll have a couple stretches where they have two days off in between games. So we're talking about right now between the Pelicans and the Knicks games, there's the two days off, which will probably allow him to get a little practice time in. And then you go to OKC and Indiana. Then after Indiana, there's two days off that Wednesday and Thursday before that game against the Hawks. But uh he he has to he has to I I don't see any way he's not back um on the road trip so I'm guessing his his uh first home game will probably line up to when uh Kyrie Irving and the Nets come come to uh, mm. Memphis. Interesting, interesting, yeah. Here in that one. Yeah, it'll be interesting uh what happens when he comes back cuz you got to reintegrate him into this but I do think this stretch after the All-Star break you know, showed us, hey, like, it'll be nice to have one of the team's top four <laughs> players back in the starting lineup, uh, both offensively and, frankly, especially defensively. I don't know if he fixes all the problems that they've had in some of their recent games defensively, but one of the big issues is stopping penetration for this team. And Dylan Brooks is, at the very least, better than, you know, anyone else on the team at doing that. So um, it should help. 
when he gets back. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, Taylor Jenkins mentioned to the, to the media at some point um, <clears throat> some internal maybe deliberations going on about, you know, how to bring Dylan back in terms of coming mm-hmm. off the bench or putting him right back in the starting lineup. My vote would be put him right back in the starting lineup. Like, you can limit his minutes initially and still start him in the game. Yeah. You know, like, right. I, I don't see why. Why would, why, wouldn't, why would you start him out playing with a unit? Ultimately, when you get to the playoffs, I don't think you expect to play him with the reserves. Um, yeah. yep. And so I think last year, I think they did this with Jaron, where they didn't put him in the starting lineup right off the bat when he came back. And again, his was a little different because it was longer, much longer uh, hiatus, and he hadn't played all year uh, or all season. But it, it didn't, you know, it never really truly got smooth with Jaron last year, but it got better once they started starting him, you know? Um, and so I think they should do that with Dylan right off the bat whenever that day comes, even though it, it feels like they are stretching the limits of early March, which is what uh, Zach Kleiman said <laughs> in Dylan Brooks's return. Uh, I guess if it's before March 15th, I guess maybe you can claim early March. It was that early March. But, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it'll be good to have, I think what this post all-star break showed or reemphasized is like, it'll be good to have Dylan Brooks back in the lineup. I, I agree. I agree, Mark. That's, it's It's been interesting just to see, like, I'm, I'm watching these games unfold. And, and right after the All-Star break, you know, D'Angelo Russell hits them for, I, I think it was 37. And then the, they played the Bulls, and DeRozan had 31, Levine had 28. Then they played the, the Celtics and, and Tatum, you know, I believe he had 22 in the fourth, 37 overall. So you're talking about all these wing guys and even, you know, the Rockets game. I mean, that young backcourt. Kevin Porter and, and Jalen Green combined for 53 points. So they've been getting hit hard. And C.J. McCollum against the, the Pelicans, 25 in the first half. So they've been getting hit hard by some of these wings. And you mentioned it, you know, stopping penetration has been a big part of that. And, you know, you, you're you going to play some really good wings down the stretch. You know, Like I said, they when they play the Nets, it'll be a home game. So Kyrie Irving who just had a 50-point game on 19 shots, you know, will be will be playing in that game. Then you got Chris Middleton and the Bucks coming to to Memphis. And, all, of course, we know with the, you know, the Warriors, uh, the Suns will have Devin Booker, the Jazz will have Donovan Mitchell. Who knows what the Nuggets will have yeah. at that point. Like, they're going to need them. Yeah, no, and, and, and I think you want them to have a few games leading into those big games. Yeah. Uh, like you want, especially that Warriors game, I think you want him to have a few games under his belt heading into that one because that's going to be an important regular season game. All right, DeMichael, um, I think we covered a lot there. Um, lots to be excited about. Really, I mean, it's crazy. There's like five weeks left of the regular season. Um, here the Grizzlies are duking it out for the second seed in the Western Conference. It's uh, unlike any season um, in Grizzly in franchise history. And uh, we'll chronicle it all over at commercialappeal.com this week and the next four, five weeks and into the playoffs. Um, so uh, hopefully you will uh, continue checking us out and, and, and continue looking out for this podcast because um, we'll be doing it regularly from here on out. Uh, Till next time. I was Mark Giannato. That was DeMichael Cole. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.
The Grizzlies Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.